Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast, bringing you honest, open dialogue every week. Today, we've got on an entrepreneur who's got a really, really fascinating and inspiring story. He is the founder and owner of Noble Body, and this is Johnny Noble in the building. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing good, Zuby. Thank you for having having me. It's a real pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I thought we were going to do this in an hour. I just got back from the gym, but I'm good to go. <laughs> so, um, Johnny, I've done a quick little intro, but let me allow you to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, my name is Johnny Noble, and as Zuby said, I founded a company called Noble Body, which went live in late 2017. I've been on Twitter since 2016 and um, developed this branding of Johnny Noble to be a frontman for this cosmetics company, Noble Body, which a lot of the people are familiar with now. Um, at this point, I've sold product in, I think, 25 countries and it's steadily growing meeting just tons of great people and it's it's just been a an absolutely amazing journey uh, especially doing things like this and connecting with people you know visually and on twitter um you know my story is a long one but i to condense it i started off as an attorney i practiced law for you know almost two and a half decades almost three decades really and i got I got really burned out on the the personalities and the drudgery and the uh, well dealing with attorneys all day every day. Imagine imagine that. And then uh, you know went through a change in my life and I decided I was going to do something different and I wanted to create something great. That's my starting premise and every day that's what I think 100%. So and that's what brought me here. Awesome man. Well um. I've done a little bit of research and digging on you, and I know that there's a lot more to your story than that. So this is Real Talk with Zuby. So I like to dive real deep into people's stories and really found, find out how they got from where they started to where they are right now. So first of all, man, where, where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your background, you know, your growing up and all of that story. So all this stuff before you becoming an attorney, of course, you've had a life story before that. So why don't you walk us through that and what it was that even led to you getting into the law aspect? Uh, yeah, it, it's I, I had one of those great childhoods. I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, you know, middle class family. I, I grew up in the country and I was born in a town called Wilkes-Barre, which is about an hour and a half drive from both Philly and New York. So it was actually a really cool place to grow up. And, you know, I grew, I grew up by a river. Um, my dad owned a bar. My mom was a singer. And, you know, they were just great salt of the earth people. And it was just a, just an idyllic place to grow up because, you know, I played football. I played Little League and, you know, I had great friends. I grew up in the forest. I worked on farms. Um, my dad wanted me to stay with his bar and um, I had other ideas. I ended up going off to college right after high school. Um, so I put in four years of college and um, I wasn't ready to go into the real world at that time. I mean, this is before the internet even existed. 
I started college in the early 80s. So I got a four-year degree. And during that time, I my brother started working in Atlantic City. That's when the casinos were coming online in AC. And he had been working down there and he convinced me to come down between my junior and senior year of college. And of course, I went down there and lived on the beach for uh, the summer and worked in the Playboy Club in the French gourmet room. And um, it was just life changing. It's like, you know, so then I go back to college and I graduate and it's like, I'm going back to Atlantic City, man. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to live on the beach. But then I was doing it for about three years and I was bouncing around and, you know, I was going skiing and doing all this fun stuff and um, had a couple conversations with my mom because I was always a really smart kid. And she was frustrated that I wasn't really doing something with with my mind and my potential. And I had a couple friends that had gone through law school and they were having a lot of success. Real good guys. I'm still friends with them now. One's in Houston, one's in Washington, D.C., and um, at my mom's urging to do something, I decided to go to law school. So I took three years off from college. I went to law school in Detroit, which was quite a transition. I mean, that's that tempered me for the future to be able to handle anything because I went from living on the beach in Atlantic City to living in the ghetto in Detroit because I didn't have a lot of money to live in the suburbs. My law school was downtown. Um, you know, so I went through law school. I had a lot of success, um, got out, went back to Pennsylvania, started practicing law there in the early 90s. And um, and then I had some friends and family that lived here in, Atlanta, uh, in Phoenix. And I decided to make the move. It took me two years to get out here and, and I'm still here. Um, but I came out and I had a lot of career success as an attorney I ended up um, as a construction litigator. Uh, I was with one firm, my last firm, for 10 years as a partner. Um, So I had a lot of success. Um, You know, a lot of it was extremely rewarding. I'm not down on the profession at all. It's, you know, it's a great profession. It's just I, I did as much as I felt like I was going to do in it without, you know, just taxing myself because I just wasn't happy doing it anymore. And, um, I had gone through a divorce too about five years ago, and that was the nexus for this decision to go ahead and do something completely different with my life, which I, I it's hard to explain, but I just, I had this really burning drive to create something, um, sort of a legacy. I just, I turned 56 on Sunday and I just have a lot of gas in the tank, man. I, I feel like I'm so far from done and I, I just wanted to do something really cool and really great and see how far I could take it. So mm. that kind of condenses a lot of years, but that's the essence of, of how I got here right now. I got you. And what kind of work were you doing out in uh, Atlantic City? Because that sounds like, uh, that sounds really interesting. I, I don't know anyone who's worked out there before. Uh, it was pretty fascinating. Um, I actually caught Christian McQueen's attention. I tweeted something a couple years ago about Atlantic City because I had met a bunch of stars. And um, I my first job was in the Playboy Club in the French Gourmet Room called uh, mm. and you know it, it was it was just gourmet service four-man teams um i don't think we had, we didn't even have any female waiters at that time it was all men and we wore tuxedos um and it was it was french gourmet service all the way the uh the head chef Henri was from france mm. and you know it was just a fascinating experience because i was really into cooking because i cooked at my dad's bar and you know i i grew up doing that um so that's where i started and i i think by the time i finished and i went off to law school i had seven casinos under my belt oh wow um, yeah it was it was a it was a fascinating experience but the culture was pretty dark. I mean, at that time, this is the 80s and cocaine was everywhere. It wasn't my thing, but I was watching, you know, friends and people all around me just destroy their lives with cocaine and alcohol and other drugs. And I I just, I I had been talking with my mom and I just realized I had to get out of there Mm. and and just do something. And, you know, it, it was a very hard decision because I think I was working four days a week, living on the beach, having a blast and making a, a bunch of money and no obligations. But I, I just had this nagging feeling that I had to do something 
with my life to stretch my potential and, and don't get complacent there. Yeah. Um, so it's what, yeah. It's probably not one of those, um, one of those jobs or industries that someone would want to stay in for several decades. Cause I'd imagine it would probably screw you up if you're any kind of normal person. No question. No yeah. question about it. <laughs> so, um, so obviously you, you worked in law as a, an attorney for several couple of decades. So what was the point where you felt like maybe you'd reached a peak or you were just like, I'm done with this or I want to do something else? Did you always have that entrepreneurial creative drive and you were kind of keeping it locked in or was there a point where you just felt, I'm ready to do something else? And what was that moment? Uh, it, it was actually both. Because of the the nature of my upbringing, um, my dad worked for a big company, RCA, for a long time. And I remember he was miserable. Um, and I was a young teenager and we would talk about it. And the, the bar was in my family. It was being run by my dad while my grandmother was still alive and in it. In fact, she lived in the back bar building. There was a, a living quarters actually in the bar. It was a very large building. Mm. Um, it was on like five acres with um, a big outdoor pavilion and kitchens for clambics and things like that. Um, so my dad quit his job and decided he was going to do the bar full time. In fact, I was working for the construction company in high school that actually we went in and completely remodeled the bar. Um, and my mom was a singer, so she was kind of a freelance singer singing for a band. So when I look back on it, it, it actually was just in my blood that um, it, it's things may be unconventional and it's and it's OK. So. When I got into the basically the corporate grind, I wasn't working at a, a huge firm. It would be considered a mid-sized firm here in Phoenix. And, you know, I was doing really well at it. I was really good at it. I was I was doing really, really large, stressful cases with, you know, very high stakes and very demanding clients and, you know, really demanding issues and long hours and stress and, and you name it. And, and I had been doing it for so long. Um, I, it's hard to explain. I just hit the wall. I remember I had this one case that I had been working on for a couple of years. It was um, a general contractor versus my client, which was the HVAC contractor. And we went through a full-blown two-week trial and it, it just ate me alive. I mean, it was so much work and it was so much stress and, you know, all the issues. I ended up getting a really great result for the client, I got a verdict, you know, of uh, about a million dollars, which, you know, it's always nice to get a ruling in your favor. Mm. And I, I remember sitting at my desk when it was over and I, I had the last piece of the file that I was putting it away and, and I just kind of slid it over and I just had this weird epiphany that, man, is that it? Like, is that, is that it? Mm. Now on to the next one. It, it felt like a version of some kind of postal worker syndrome. And um, from then I just started to kind of slip. I, I just, and I, I didn't want to slip that I would make mistakes on, you know, these are people's livelihoods and their businesses. And um, I, I just had this epiphany that I have to think about doing something else. And it that feeling drug on for about three more years. Mm. And then in, in 2012, I had this I made this decision that I was going to move away from the practice of law. I didn't know exactly how yet. And um, I was also having issues in my relationship, but you know, that's, that's another big issue. Yeah. Um, but that, that was the seed of it. And then as I moved forward in time, I, I started to hone in on what exactly I wanted to do. And I thought about, you know, many different industries, many different things. And I was very intrigued by, how fast and how e-commerce had just exploded into, you know, something where you can basically want, run a worldwide company from your laptop, which uh, was fascinating to me. Bridging, yeah. bridging both eras of pre-internet and, and watching it develop and now, you know, full-blown internet e-commerce, I, I just knew that I had to get into it somehow. So mm. that was the seed of it. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's a pretty big... That's a pretty big shift. You would have thought from law, you might go into something more service-based. So I think it's quite fascinating that you choose to go into uh, a product company, not even just a product company, but um, essentially cosmetics. I mean, what is it exactly uh, for the audience? What is it exactly that you sell? 
Well, Noble Body, it started off, um, I got really good making body scrubs. Um, I developed some pretty good innovative formulas. I did a lot of research on what was on the market because, uh, you know, I would go to uh, Bed Bath & Beyond and all these other places and I would look at what was there and, and what was in it and was it any good and would I ever want to use it. And the, just taking a step back, I started doing that many years ago, I think about 15 at this point, I started making my own um, natural oil-based scrub formulas because I had horrible skin problems when I was growing up. Um, I had horrible eczema and literally suffered with it for years. So I, I was working on natural oils and I started to see progress using different compounds and different oils. So I started making scrubs and then fast forward, I started really putting a lot of time into studying the natural oils and the natural compounds. And about, well, it's four years now, I started working on a face oil formula for women. And um, I was developing that. It took me, it had to take two full years to get it where I wanted to be. So I developed the Noble Body Face Oil for Women. And while I was doing that, I realized there wasn't one on earth for men, not of mm. any note. I mean, there's some real fringe things, but nobody, none of the companies wanted to direct a product like this at the men's market. And when I saw that, I thought, well, I, I don't know, like if nobody else wants to do it, should I do it? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it feels a little crazy, but you know, two and a half, three years ago, I, that seed was planted in my head and I started working on it. So I think that's one of the proudest products that I have on the market right now is that face oil for men because the reception for it has been fantastic. I mean, like I said earlier, I think I've sold it in at least 22, 23 countries. Mm. I think I'm in 25 total with that and other products. So my focus became natural oil-based formulas with natural compounds and botanicals and essential oils. These are natural formulas. Um, I also did a beard oil. I have a hair oil. Um, I'm working on a body oil right now that's very close to market. I'm in the final packaging stages. Um, so that's the essence of the product line right now. And it's, it's going to expand. It's already, you know, in the works to expand into other things, but that's, that's how it began. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the um, the process of doing all that. So you you've condensed it all and made it sound like really uh, really simple. Like you know, bang! I just did that. I did that. I did that. But um, yeah. of course, I mean hours and I'm assuming months, if not years, of research and experimentation and product sampling and market research and all that stuff must have gone into it. So. When, firstly, uh, when was it that you launched Noble Body exactly? When did you launch the company? My website was up in beta testing in late 2017. Mm -hmm. um, was kind of finalizing some of the coding and some of the settings. So technically, um, late 2017, I actually filed the trademark for Noble Body first in, I don't know, man, it was like the middle of 2016 so mm -hmm. i had the name and i was you know i had the name and i was working on the branding as far back as as 2016 um working with a couple of designers and um you know then of course all that has to transfer into a website labels packaging and everything so so that was the culmination of it, it wasn't easy man it was like i questioned my sanity myself so many times when when I embarked on this in, it was um, Christmas 2014 is when I really thought, okay, I'm going to do something like this. And then I went through a full year with another company branding. It was called Scrub Junkies because okay. I told you I, I started off with scrubs. And I, you know, I had some great scrub formulas. I was really studying the the natural compounds, the natural preservation, the antioxidants to keep them fresh. I mean, there's you know, quite a few moving parts to make sure the products are safe and sound for mm. use in the public. Um, and then I decided to scrap it as, as fast as I got it up. I just said, you know what, this, this isn't good enough. It just, it doesn't suck, but it's not going to be good enough to take it where I want to take it. So during that entire time, um, 
I was working on formulations, studying the natural compounds, actually creating some of my own compounds because things that I wanted to use didn't even exist on the market. There's a few ingredients in some of my formulas that I had to make them myself because they didn't exist. So I think I told Dennis Tamori when, when he did an interview with me that I had, I don't know, 10 to 12,000 hours into this. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it, it was a lot. There were honestly, there were a lot of days of just basically hell of really intensive study. And um, and what, what kept you going through all that? I mean, what was it that drove you so much about this, this product or this project or this company that got you through those really difficult segments? You know what I mean? Like, I'm a, I'm a musician myself. I'm a full-time musician. And I know especially when you're working by yourself, there can be times where, you know, you literally are questioning your, your, your mere existence and the, the reason why you're actually doing what you're doing. Because sometimes it seems obvious, especially when you're getting results. But prior to any kind of results, you're kind of just in this hole and it doesn't make sense, especially someone like yourself who's coming from a successful, stable career. And it's like, now you're doing this thing, which nobody told you to do. So what was it that uh, kept you going through that desert? Well, it's funny that you said desert because I live in the desert now. I mean, that, <laughs> that's what it felt like. It was like, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. Um, I I don't even know. I, I, I think I, I have this internal drive. I've always been this way. And it, it's, the, it's the same thing that pushed me to not be a waiter anymore and, and become an attorney and put yourself through that hell, which it wasn't fun, but mm -hmm. I did it. it you know, it, it was some internal drive to be something more, to be something better, to create something greater of yourself. And, you know, maybe even something that other people can use and enjoy, which, you know, that's my case now. Um, there were so many dark days. I, I can't even tell you. I remember one night waking up in the middle of the night and it was it was like 2016 or early 2017 and i was just laying in my bed staring at my ceiling fan and you know it was like three o'clock in the morning and i wanted to call my mom but i going from something that stable you know putting a suit on every day and going to an office and to this amorphous walk in the desert where you know there's no certainty whatsoever you have no idea what you're doing you know i just kept going through that entire time i just i just said just keep going and one of the things that actually kept me going was just go to the gym put your headphones on you know hit the weight room and and then just come back and keep doing it every single day just keep doing something and and don't don't view it like an end game view it like a long timeline that you're on and you're just going to stay on it and yeah. that mindset is what got me through those early days of not having any idea what I'm doing. And I went from not having any idea what I'm doing to actually knowing what I'm doing, where people actually come to me and, and consult with me about, you know, their products and their ideas and, you know, their branding and their markets and their targeting and everything else. So that it was kind of a signal that I feel like I'm, I haven't arrived, but I'm arriving. Mm. But it was just some sort of an internal metronome that said, Hey man, just, just keep going. Just don't quit. Yeah. And, uh, it's the best way I could explain it. Cause it, yeah. you know, there really isn't a good <laughs> solid answer. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's always interesting talking to anybody entrepreneurial because I think there's a, I, I always feel like a kind of like a bond or a kinship with any other entrepreneur or creative person. Cause I feel like there's just, it's so hard to really explain and understand unless you've been there. You know what I mean? Like you can explain it to people and you can talk about it, but unless someone themselves has just kind of been in that, <laughs> been in that hole or is in that hole, it's, uh, I think it's quite hard for other people to understand because yeah, it's just, it's tricky. Uh, what, what was the most, what was the hardest thing for you? What was the biggest challenge? Uh, the biggest challenge was not having any idea whatsoever what I was doing <laughs> on any level. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I was always really super into 
branding and marketing and the the whole notion of what makes this company crazy successful and what makes this company just go down the toilet for you know what happened is it is it the way it looks is it the colors is it the font is what is it yeah. so i was always really into that aspect of building a company um you know selling different products or services or ideas whatever whatever it is you're going to sell um so so i I was into that. the The hardest thing was getting an understanding of what makes a good product. And you know, my mantra when I started this was: everything I put on the market is going to be absolutely the best product that I can put out there. It's gonna, it's gonna do what I say it's gonna do, and it's gonna do it well, so that people will use it, enjoy it, see benefits from it, and then come back and want it again. I mean mm -hmm. that that is the basic model of what I wanted to achieve. And the way I did that was I just start, I started buying raw materials and making different tests and passing them out to people in my close circle. And, um, a weird thing, you know, I'd get these weird epiphanies where people would say, Hey, do you have any more of that stuff you gave me? That was pretty great. Or, you know, and mm -hmm. then took really detailed notes and what people liked, what people didn't like, you know, and there's something like a face oil product for women has, you know, there's a, a pretty harsh check. Women are really harsh with cosmetic products. Okay. They, they buy, you know, they buy a lot of products, but you give them a product and they don't like something about it. I mean, you're dead to them. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a couple <laughs> and that sounds harsh, but it's true. And there's a few, uh, components that I saw early on with a product like that, that you have to hit or you're dead. Okay. And it, it was, okay, you take it out of the bottle and you put it in your hands and you go like this, what does it feel like? And then if they're going to put it on their face, it's one of the most intimate things there is. And that's another reason why I really enjoyed this. It was incredibly challenging to create products that people are going to have that intimate relationship with Put on their face and want to keep using them so they put it on their hands and then they do this and what's the first thing it's the fragrance and if they don't like your fragrance you know yeah, it's see over. you later and then uh, something like a face oil for women it's you know you got an absorption rate how does it interact with their makeup and all of that was just testing 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 yeah. i mean that's how i i got it to where i wanted it and you just tested with people you know, people in your circle. How did you do it? Uh, people in my circle, and then I started to expand it. I actually did. Um, I think I used uh, Typeform, the surveys. Mm -hmm. So I would I would put together test samples in different bottles. I'd put a QR code on there, and then people would use the product, scan the QR code, and then it would send them to a short survey, and they would give me information on. You know, I had. Um, some multiple choice type questions. And then I had some very short, you know, a couple word answer things. And I got a lot of great recon doing that. It, it was a long process, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, from passing it out, people using it, actually doing the survey and then assimilating the information. But that's how I did a lot of it. Um, and that it took years. I mean, it, yeah. it, it took years. Um, but it was, it taught me a lot about market research and what people really wanted with products like this. And it also led to other ideas as far as branding names. There's no substitute for good, honest recon from people that are your potential customers. Absolutely. So by this stage, did you already have the name for the company? I mean, you're, you're Johnny Noble. Is that, that's your real name? No, my, oh, okay. Okay. My given name is John, but my friends for decades have called me Johnny, okay. um, but it's not my last name. We just decided to do that for the branding and okay. it made a lot of sense. It's, it's a twist on the, the front man of a company, whether it's, you know, Steve Madden or Calvin Klein or Jessica Simpson, you know, it's, it's having a good front persona for the company. And so far it's made a lot of sense. So yeah, I was going to say if Noble was like your real last name, I was going to say that's pretty pretty convenient because that's a, you know, noble body. That's like, okay, easy. It's like my, my name is, um, I mean, Zuby is my nickname, but Zuby is essentially my name. So when I became a rapper, I never had to sort of think of, okay, what am I gonna, 
what am I going to oh. call myself? It was just like Zuby. Okay, cool, done. Took like, like two it. seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man. So the so did you start out with just one product then? Did you start with the women's face oil? Is that the first thing you launched with or how many I, products did you have to start? When I launched the website, I had a roster of, well, I had uh, three sugar scrubs for women, women's face oil, men's face oil, um, beard oil, hair oil, and I'm forgetting one. Oh, I developed this product for post laser tattoo removal called laser relief okay um that i tested a lot in a couple of um laser removal parlors in fact one of them retails quite a bit of it here in scottsdale arizona um it's a product that helps when people are getting that laser procedure it causes a lot of itching and burning and irritation um it's essentially a mild cooking of the skin and then that's why between each laser removal session, people have to wait, you know, six to eight weeks. Yeah. Um, but it helps speed that recovery process. Um, and, you know, that was just because that was total happenstance. Um, my friend was dating a girl that was getting a, a ridiculous tattoo removed on her ankle. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really was. It, well, it is. It's still there. She's still getting it removed. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she said, do you have anything that will help my ankle? It really itches and burns. I had my procedure yesterday. And I said, yeah, I think I do. And, you know, I concocted something and gave it to her and totally forgot about it. And then about two weeks later, she came back to me and said, hey, whatever you gave me was really helpful. You know, could you give me some more and maybe talk to my um, laser tech? And I actually went and met with the laser tech. And then from that, I developed the product and the fragrance and everything else. And that is all natural product. Mm. Um, so it was a pretty interesting story how, how it came about. But that was the original roster of products that's still up on the website. And the next one up, um, which is 90% done, is a body oil for men and women. And mm -hmm. I'm final, final branding and packaging on that right now. Nice. So the moral of the story there is don't get a tattoo. Or if you're going <laughs> to get one. Make sure it's a good one that you're not going to be going through pain and lasering off later. Or if you do, if you do, make sure you get a Johnny's oil for it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, everybody thinks a tattoo is a good idea at the time. I don't. Then... I don't. <laughs> People are always like, how come you don't have any tattoos? I'm like, nope, nope, not for me. You can get them. Not for me. <laughs> Same here. I don't have any. Yeah, <laughs> I I find that that's now sort of countercultural. Like I'm really um, I'm countercultural in the way that there are so many things that I don't do. Especially being a rapper, like I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't take drugs, I don't have any tattoos, I don't even swear. So I'm like I'm countercultural in the way that <laughs> people yeah. people sort of expect all these things, and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, but um. With all that, you're a total outlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find the tattoo removal thing kind of funny, though, because obviously I've never had one, but I understand getting a tattoo in itself is painful, but then getting it taken off is like even more painful. So it's kind of like you've gone through this pain to go through more pain, and then you're kind of back where you started. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't so, make a lot of sense, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's one of those things I've always found slightly amusing. Awesome, man. So what was your first... um? taste of success with the business or even what was your first sale? Who was the first person who placed an order? How did you go about taking it from zero to one? Well, yeah, that's uh, it's fun to look back on it now because I, I've obviously made progress since then. It was um, so I had the I went through kind of a hellish stretch in late 2017. Um, I was launching the company. I was just scrambling to get everything done. Obviously, not hemorrhaging money, but spending a lot of money to get packaging done and, you know, labels and the website up and pay, you know, a coder for the website and, you know, all these other things. So spending a lot of money. And then um, right at that time, my mom died and I had to move. So everything was condensed together. That was December of 2017. That was actually a pretty low point. And then I got the website up and I, you know, segued into 2018 and I was in early 2018 and, and I was making some sales locally here. I had gotten in some, a couple retailers cause they knew me and they were testing product and 
I'm in seven or eight retailers here in, in Phoenix. I haven't spent a lot of time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of my first sales was, uh, oh, and around Christmas that year, I sold a lot of scrub because then I had my labels and um, I just put the word out and people just bought it all. I mean, I remember selling it all. So that was a good feeling that you know showed me some progress. But then as far as getting people you don't know out there in cyberspace to buy your products is a complete another story. Mm. So in early 2018, I, I got a little more aggressive on Twitter with um, telling some of my story, um, engaging with more people that I really liked and that I respected and getting to know some of those people, actually meeting some of them. Um, had a couple big sales here in, in Phoenix to resorts and spas of uh, scrubs and oils. Talk, talk us through that process. I mean, how did you go about actually getting those sales? Did you approach them? Uh, how did it happen? There's a, there's a couple retailers here, um, just friends that I knew from, you know, hanging out in the neighborhood here that had used my, that use and uh, enjoy these products. They, they'd say, Hey, why don't you talk to my, you know, my company uh, about putting your products on the shelves? And I did. And um, one of them is a, I'll give them a shout out. It's a company called the bungalow here in, in North Scottsdale. They sell all kinds of, uh, you know, furniture and artwork and they do design work. Um, So I have product on the shelves in there. And then there was a, a resort, a friend of a friend and introduced me to um, a spa manager at the Ganey Hyatt, which is mm-hmm. a nice, you know, really great spa facility here. And uh, they wanted to carry all of the sugar scrubs on the show. So I got in there. You know, it's a good feeling because then you, you know, it's a, it's a step in the, in the positive direction. But as I, as I got more into seeing what the potential was for the website, you know, in this country and, and other countries, I started making more of a push to get the word out a little bit wider. And I remember that first sale, um, you know, some guy in in the South somewhere bought one of my face oils, man. And, and it just wasn't one of my friends. It was like out of the blue. And I was like, hey, man, I just sold a face oil. So <laughs> no. And, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, it's just one of those things that sticks in your head. And then it's like, wow, you know, then the light bulb goes on. I think that was like, I don't know, it was like March or April of 2018, Mm -hmm. maybe February, March. Um, But then I I started to see it. And then, you know, ding, ding a couple times and, you know, a little more. And then uh, I started a pretty good push and I started to see, kind of sustained you know growth and then the biggest thing to me the most important thing to me was when i started to see repeat customers coming back because that that was the biggest message to me is that okay you're you're doing it right they they came they found you they came they bought your product they like your product and now they're buying it again and now i'm coming through a cycle where you know three four five six times so it's you know, I, I even have to make some changes to the website for subscriptions and things like that because, you know, now it makes sense. But yeah. those milestone moments are what keep driving you. And then, you know, as you start to see that progress, then you it, it feeds on itself. It's a positive feedback loop where you just you just keep going and you just keep doing what you're doing and make sure you fulfill your promise to the customer every single time. I mean. I was on Jose Rosado's podcast um, later last year and it just came out of my mouth. I said, you know, every every package is an ambassador for your brand. Mm. And um, I I think about that every single day. Every every box that goes out from this company is an ambassador or it's a it's a messenger to the future of your company. So Mm. you have to fulfill your promise to that customer every single time. And that's the mantra that's in my head every single day as people start to use more and more of these products and enjoy them. Because, I mean, that is the mark of success. If people come back to you, then you know that you're doing it right and you just continue to do it right. Yeah, man. So those first few sales, do you know how those people found you? Was that through Twitter or other social media? Was that um, all organic? How did they 
how did they stumble across the website to find you? You know, I wasn't even, I wasn't even highly evolved enough at that point to have any sort of organic traffic through Google or anywhere. So it was definitely Twitter. Okay. Um, and I decided at that, at that time I was going to just keep writing on Twitter, um, meeting as many people as I could. And, um, you know, develop some really great relationships. I, um, I do have an affiliate program and I got, I think I signed up, I'm super selective about it. Um, I think I signed up 12 to 15 affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of them came out of the blue and you know, that it's a, it's a very good way to drive. Of course you're paying commissions, but at the same time, it's a, it's a very good w- way to expand it into other people's audiences. Sure. And um, also, of course, you know, the the influencer thing and, and just have people try your products and talk about them, you know, one way or another. Um, I, I recognize that everybody in the world isn't going to like your products. And that's just the reality of it. But, you know, if you develop something that's very high quality, you're going to get a very high percentage of people on board with it. And, you know, those are kind of the fundamental philosophies that I just kept in my head. So Twitter has been a really good spot. And I decided um, a few months ago I was going to spend more time on uh, Instagram. Okay. I set up Facebook just mostly for Facebook ads, which um, I put some time into that. I haven't done any yet, but it's on the drawing board. But, you know, it, it was um, Twitter has been good to generate traffic. And then as that was happening, I noticed I started to get organic Google traffic because of some blog articles and things like this. Um, you know, the the SEO and the SEM are always improved when your name is out there with, you know, something like this on, you know, your podcast or sure. you know, it's, it's basically spreading the word so that more people are coming to it. So no doubt. But, well, I, I hope this does bring more people to it, man. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you having me on. I mean, because this kind of came out of the blue. I just sent you a DM a week ago, right? Or yeah. five ago or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man, exactly. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a friendly dude and I like to hear different people's stories. I like to get different perspectives. And, you know, I think with, with every single person I've spoken to on this podcast, everyone's got a really different story and all of them have, have been really different conversations. But I think there's something inspiring to take from everyone's story. There's always things to learn from other people. And I'm sure that there will be somebody who's watching this or who's listening to this, who is thinking of, going their own way or thinking of creating a product or whatever. And just knowing, just hearing this story of someone like yourself doing it, just, it it makes it more real. People hear about these ideas. People, people know companies exist and people create products, but a lot of people won't know anyone who's actually been through those steps. So to hear a little bit about it and some of the details, some of the reality, the challenges, the hurdles, but also the, the successes. So What's the what's the plan for 2019? Where are you planning to go with it? Is it going to be f- honing in on the products you've already got and uh, pr- pushing those ones more, or are you going to be trying to expand out the product line further? Uh, actually, both. I mean, the the first priority is is just keep going in the right direction and and generating more more interest and more sales of the existing products. Obviously you know, an, an absolute fundamental inher- adherence to the quality of the formulas and the quality of, of, of the product is number one. So um, not expanding too far, but, you know, I, I have a, a short list of things that I have to do to, to get more traffic, um, you know, get more people on board, um, you know, things like getting a product or two on Amazon, something simple, but it's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. You know, and then, uh, like I said earlier, a subscription service through the site and um, then maybe a couple of plugins on the site that will facilitate shipping internationally, which is it's pretty tough, man. I, 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 I'm navigating through it, but there's a lot of issues and moving parts. Um, I'm, I'm talking to some people about some distributor agreements in different countries because I get a lot of interest from Canada. I'm getting a lot of interest from Europe and especially France. Um, you know, I've actually made quite a few sales in the UK and Ireland too, but the, you know, the shipping could be kind of onerous. The time period to get it there is tough. So I'm constantly looking at those things to try to improve them. But honestly, right now I'm, I'm focused on this product line, keep expanding that. And I'm going to, 
earlier this year, I had decided I wanted to kick out one product per quarter. And I, you know what? I think it's going to be like two products this year. I, okay. There's one that's close. I, I don't want to rush it. I want to make sure it's right. Um, I want to make sure the formulas are extremely sound. So like I said, I have a body oil coming out really soon um, that I'm just 100% on right now. And then I have another product I'd like to bring out uh, later in the year after I tested a little bit more. I got one hitch to work out in it. So so the answer is both. I want to expand the product line a little bit, but I also want to get more traction with these existing products. That's awesome, man. And what's the what's the grand vision? Do you have a a long-term goal or like a big goal where you'd like to see noble body? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean it, you know, why have goals if they're not big? Yeah, I, I, I want to I turn this into uh, an international cosmetics powerhouse. I mean, I really do. And it's going to take some work and I'm going to have to partner up with some people. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't do this in a vacuum. It's, it's going to take a team to get it there actually talking to some people that I'm really interested in. They might not even know it yet, but um, I'm thinking about a couple different ways to structure some arms for this company to get a bigger reach on the internet and then maybe segue into the retail kiosk thing in different locations in um, Europe and Asia. Um, but that's, that's the grand vision. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to settle down until I'm on the cover of Forbes magazine or on Shark Tank. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. I like vision. that. I like that. That's the vision every day, man. It's like, you know, just just get up and get after it every single day and make it happen. You know, so far, so good, man. <laughs> I made it this far. Yeah, man, 100%. It's uh, it's inspiring, man. It's inspiring. I, lo I love hearing these stories, dude. And I can, I can see it, like, looking at you as we're recording this, I can see you've just got this... Uh, You've got, I can, your energy comes across, you know, I can see your energy, your vitality. I mean, you look like you're in, you look like you're in great shape just coming back from the gym. You know, you're looking like you're, looks like a body of a 26 year old, not a 56 year old. So, you know, I mean, you're doing, you're doing well, my dude, you're doing very well. So let people know where they can, um, where they can find you online. Well, the company website is noble-body.com and I have a vast experience base of just a lot of different stuff and it's honestly hard for i have to restrain myself sometimes <laughs> i should restrain myself sometimes yeah I, i've done so many different things it's <laughs> like it's easy for me to jump in and i don't i don't want to get lost in that i try to stay yeah. on, on the the cosmetics thing or the health fitness thing but yeah. you know people don't it doesn't <laughs> <me>. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you have to kick the hornet's nest <laughs> You know, you, you look at some of my tweets, like I'll, I'll tweet the stupidest thing and, and it just goes crazy. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah dude, like, you're, okay. you're, preaching, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm on Twitter, <laughs> at Tony Noble Body. Um, I have a, an Instagram also. There's a noble.body on Instagram that I'm, I'm starting to post some cool stuff on there um, and get, get a little more traction. Um, but, you know, the main place is the website. That's where... Uh, that's where it all started. And, and as I, it's, it's funny. I also was telling Dennis this, what, what we're doing with real products and things like that. Like my, my friends that at cello oils that are selling the olive oil. I mean, that's another fascinating story. You know, this really wasn't even possible five to seven years ago. I mean, the, the platforms were developing, but they're so highly evolved now that you can have an international company selling products all over the world just from your computer i mean it still fascinates me every single day i mean it truly does so when i saw that potential that's where i thought i would put my initial focus you know you know get some traction on twitter and instagram and you know kind of follow the script that some of the other guys are following and and you know get yourself established and then figure out how you want to take it to the next level i mean that's where i'm at right now because you know, I'm getting to that point where it's, you know, more sustainable. Um, obviously, I had to spend a lot of money and time to get here, but I'm okay with all that. It's just, I'm just going to keep going, man. So um, it's fun. It's, it's awesome, fun. Man. Yeah, man. Well, it's, if you're not having fun, then uh, you're, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're, kind of, you're kind of missing the main thing. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Awesome, man. Really inspiring story. Thank you so much, Johnny. Do you have... um? For, for that person who's listening to this right now and who wants to get started in something, 
and they're questioning themselves. Do you have um, a little bit of a word of encouragement or inspiration for them? Yeah, the, the encouragement and inspiration is just get off your ass and do it, but figure out what you want to do. And, and I mean exactly what you want to do. Like if you're into potted plants, you know, what? A, and people, this bugs me a little bit. People say, oh, don't follow your passion. If you follow something you're passionate about, you're more likely to have success than to go out and start selling some random thing or drop shipping or whatever, because every day you wake up, you're going to be driven. Like, let's say you're really into trucks and truck parts. I'm sure there's a, a space in the market out there for what you're doing and what you're really interested in. So figure it out and start doing it, formulate a plan and make sure you get a mentor. Make sure you get a mentor early because it's going to save you. You'll think, oh, I don't want to spend three or four or five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Well, I'll tell you what, that thousand dollars will save you a hundred thousand dollars later on because mm. I made so many mistakes when I started this. I should have had this advice given to me four or five years ago because I did a lot of incredibly stupid when I was starting this that I look back on and you weren't even thinking, you know, but. How do you know when you haven't done it? You know, yeah. so it's, you know, anybody can do anything they want to, but, you know, you got to get up in the game and you got to get after it. And it's really that simple. And you just don't stop. You just don't let anything stop you. I mean, I wanted to quit this so many times. I, I lost track three years ago. And you just don't quit. Just don't stop no matter what. And, you know, amazing things will happen. Words of wisdom. Johnny Noble, thank you so much for coming on the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, my friend. And um, I look forward to seeing the journey continue. Thank you, Zuby. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.